Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome in to DMVR Buffs post game presented by the Colorado XOs. I'm Henry Chisholm and I'm here with Ben Girding. And today we're going to be talking about uh, the Buffs game that just happened. Wait, what is going on? Can everybody else hear that? Is there an echo? There's no echo? So okay, wait one sec. There's something there's something strange going on somewhere in this computer. What is happening? I I could hear myself. Okay, we're good to go. Um yeah, we're going to be talking about this game that Colorado just had against USC. Uh, I'm really excited because it was a great game. Uh Ben is feeling just a little bit differently. His feelings are more physical in nature because he was taking part in the Nugget Challenge, which is where whenever the Nugget score point Ben needs to eat a chicken nugget. And I heard he basically got doubled up by the nuggets tonight. So congrats on that, Ben. I lost my sound. <laughs> I can't hear Ben either at all. Oh, wait. Oh, you can't hear Ben? Oh, no. okay. There's, there's been some weird stuff happening. See, I thought that it was my end again. Um, I'm just going to assume. Hello? That... Okay, there we go. Oh, my gosh. What? Wow. Yeah, folks, I'm so Great. sorry about that. Oh, rise. <laughs> yeah. Hey, things, are going, things are going really well. Um, just to briefly retouch on that Henry point. Yeah. I had 62 nuggets, uh, during the nugget challenge. I made it through halftime, uh, but halftime, just that idle time without any scoring really, really impacted, uh, the digestive system. So we're going to have a good post game show, some good vibes, um, to pre preface, uh, the, uh, the hell that will break loose. Yeah, that sounds really terrible. And I can't believe you agreed to do it. Um, to get into the Buffs game, though, uh, it really was really cool. And actually, let's have another question for Ben just right off the bat. Ben, compare the Buffs' um, performance tonight with anything else in the world. Give us give us an analogy here. 
Colorado tonight going out, out there winning 18 points over the 19th-ranked USC Trojans. I mean, th there's not a whole lot of things that come to mind that really can compare. Um, you know, just, just looking at, at pulp culture, maybe, and, and seeing kind of what Bruno Mars did uh, at the halftime show of Super Bowl 48, um, you know, just bringing life, injecting energy into a stadium that was dead. Uh, you know, tonight, it was a statement win. There's no, there's no getting around it. And you know, I'm gonna let the that dead analogy fall just because I don't yeah. want to spend too much, you know, BS time talking about that and just touch on how great a how great a win this was. You know, it's gonna obviously bump Colorado up in the metrics, both in Kempom and net everything that matters. But realistically, it, it's bigger than that. It is showing they can still compete against some of the best teams in this in this country. And it really affirms the point that Henry, you and I have been talking about kind of for the better part of the last month where this team, for some reason, for whatever it is, they play to the level of their competition. So against worse teams like Washington, like Cal, they struggle. But against USC, they match up so well and they just always show up. And I think those are the two things that you really can take away just in the grand scheme of things is looking at what does this mean for, for their tournament resume I think a loss to Cal and a loss to Washington, those are bad losses that might move them down, per se, from a 7 to an 8. This is one of those wins that puts them right back up firmly as a 7 seed and I think does raise this team ceiling to even a 5 or a 6 seed if they win out and you know get lucky in the conference tournament. But the point is, is the path is still alive. So... I think I think you're totally right about all of that and how it really impacts them heading into the tournaments. But what about like not just in terms of the tournaments, but the actual performance of the team? How much more or do you feel differently about this Colorado Buffaloes team now after tonight compared to what you felt about them coming into the night? You know, I I don't know that I feel completely different, um, honestly, because they've shown that they can do all these different things. But to put it together in a complete game, I think it just it raises up that confidence level you have in them. So, yes, this is a team that's gone out there and shown they can be lights out from three. They can take care of the basketball. They can shoot exceptionally well from both the floor and the charity stripe. Now they've shown, okay, hey, we can do it for 40 minutes. And also we can do that against one of the best teams in the country. It just... It's so hard to say anything negative about this team right now. 47% from the floor... 54% from three, 93% from the free throw line. I mean, this was all against USC is one of the best teams, you know, probably top 25 team in the country. And mm -hmm. Colorado is proving they are right up there, especially with, you know, conference player of the year, presumably Evan Mobley, 13 points, six for 13. I mean, they really held him in check. Uh, fantastic win. And just, you know, to get back to that original question, does it, does it make me feel any differently about them? I just think it increases the confidence level because, again, they've shown they can do it, but doing it at this high of a level against this high a level of an opponent is you, – you can't can't take take that for granted whatsoever. Yeah, I agree. I'm kind of right there with you. Um, you know, it's not – you know, I was surprised to see this tonight. I didn't think that Colorado was going to win this game by 18 points. Um, but the surprise didn't come from me not thinking that they were that much better than – USC and maybe they aren't 18 points better than USC. They definitely were tonight, but the, the reason I was a little bit surprised by this was because we just haven't seen Colorado put together 48 good minutes 
all that often this season or 40 good minutes. I'm thinking NBA games. <laughs> My goodness. I, I I think it's happened like maybe once all year, twice. This doesn't necessarily change what I think this team is, but it does make me feel more confident having seen them play their best basketball Again, you know, this is the time where you want to see the team get clicking. You know, they they'd had three straight games where they really struggled from three. Tad in the call yesterday said that he'd actually say it was like the last five games um, that, that he would say the shooting from deep has been bad. To have that turnaround, to go 12 of 22 and, and see what you saw from Jariah Horn, he's getting that stroke back. Like, it just feels nice. It's It's comforting to see that this is where Colorado is right now. It doesn't feel like they're floundering or like you're you're hoping for them to pull it together at the last second. They're in a good place and they look like what you want a team to look like heading into the postseason. Yep. And I put out a, a poll on Twitter earlier today based on their last matchup, December 31st. Okay. And uh, it, I, I picked four metrics that they lost head to head in in that game. Uh, and I said, which one is going to be most important? So let's just go through here. Higher free throw percentage. Only 2% of people thought that. Colorado, 93%. USC, 61%. So they took care of that. Higher three-point percentage. Crushed in that area. They hit 12 threes. USC, only five. Lower turnovers. This was the, the number that was pecked to win. Um, so that meant of the, you know, however many hundred votes were, were in that. They said lower turnovers would win this game. Colorado, only nine turnovers. USC, 12. And then finally, higher points in the paint. That's the only spot where Colorado did not win. They lost that margin by 10 points, but it still didn't matter. And that is solely because of just how well this team was shooting. So, you know, it it's a it's a great look as far as, you know, they they can overcome size advantages or quite frankly, athletic advantages, and part of it all lies on one player's shoulders really, and that's Jariah Horn. Yeah. And let's just jump right into that. Uh, Dryhorn is our DraftKings king of the game. Uh, and, you know, before we jump into everything he did, it is kind of crazy how even on a night where Dryhorn does everything that he did and, and you, you think, like, he's definitely got to be the king of the game, McKinley Wright is still right there. You know, putting up 15 and 14, making it a discussion basically every single night, whether he wins it or not. But yeah. Decided to go with Jariah. He had uh, a, a great uh, game. Um, the 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 shooting is what really stood out, specifically the the three point shooting. Um, and and at one point, I think he was shooting like six or seven from three. But there's the graphic: twenty four points, eleven rebounds, two assists. Just another good night from Jariah Horn. And you know, it, it seems like he should have that six man of the year in the Pac twelve award locked up. Uh, if it's not Jariah Horn, I. I have no idea who they'd give it to. Uh, he is he is so important to this team and he would be starting consistently on every other team in the in the Pac-12 hands down. 6 of 9 from 3, 9 of 12 from the floor, just in control. Um you know, he has he has that tendency to just hit those big shots in those moments when you need it. And there were, you know, it, it's not just open threes, it's not just hitting a three uh you know when the first half is dwindling down. It's also late in the shot clock at one point when he gets the ball in the corner and does a quick dribble move back into the corner, splashes a three. In a moment when you thought, well, okay, the offense is going to sputter, he might get a shot clock violation or a really bad look, Jariah Horn gets the ball in his hands and is able to create a shot. And 
you know, it may not normally be a high percentage look for other players, but for Trial Warren, that's just just another one and splashes it in. 24 points, 11 rebounds. It, it, it is just, it's tough to evaluate how big of an impact Dryhorn has on this team from a scoring standpoint, from a rebounding standpoint, from a leadership standpoint. He is doing so many things right, and he is the reason why Colorado's ceiling has been lifted into this season. Because when Tyler Bay leaves and everyone projects you, you know, finish seventh in the conference, nobody expects you to really turn that around because, you know, you just lost the NBA talent. Jariah Horn is one of those guys where you get as a grad transfer and you're not sure how his skills are going to translate from Tulsa. He's gotten better as the season has gone on, and he is now, you know, getting hot again right at the right time. Definitely. And he's definitely the the most important player off the bench for Colorado, but they had a couple of other good performances tonight. And, and really that bench unit as a whole just looks incredibly explosive at this point. Like maybe even the best bench in the PAC 12 heading into the tournament. I don't think that that's all that crazy. Um, specifically though, I had a lot of fun watching Tristan De Silva and Jabari Walker out there together. Um, Jabari in his first game back after missing six in a row, I thought that he looked good. Um, and Tristan, you know, again, 0 for 2, no points. In the box score, it doesn't look great. But when you saw him out there, the way that those two work for rebounds, you know, they're so long. It's like the entire court is within reach of somebody's arm when the bench unit is out there. It's just a lot of fun. You, you brought up a great point. And it, when you're talking about the bench unit, I do think, you know, Dryhorn really is a starter. He's playing starter level minutes. But... You're right. When you look at that second unit and what they're doing, Jabari Walker and Tristan Silva, I love that you brought that up. I mean, because today it was a flash of the pan because Tristan still, you know, he didn't play his best minutes and Jabari was obviously on a on a snap count per se. But it, it was just exciting to kind of get that glimpse into what the future of this front court might look like. Obviously, you know, Lawson Lover and coming in next season to to really bring some more height in there. But you love what you've got going on there. And, and how about Maddox Daniels tonight? One, you know, one for one from deep and, you know, you, you love a very, you know, efficient night shooting for him. But on top of that, he was driving to the basket, drawing fouls, had a nice finish at the, at, uh, at the rim. That's something that he has not done really at all to this point in his career and seeing even just brief signs of life from him in that department. It just shows again, these guys are still getting better. And this team they still may not have all of their potential unlocked. You know, Jariah Horn is still coming up with new creative ways to shoot the basketball. Jariah uh, Horn looks like he's playing a pickup game, you know, four on fours and some dumpy rec center because the shots that he's taking are just wild and he's hitting them. And now Maddox Daniels has confidence and it allows, you know, it, it really allows you to sell fakes at the top of the key when defenders actually have to play you driving to the rim. Um, and then, you know, Keyshawn Bartholomew, you know, a, another tough outing for him. And, you know, it was brought up in our members discord this week. It was Keyshawn Bartholomew a bust. Absolutely not too early to make that call. You want to see him start to do a little bit more, but also he's only getting limited minutes because McKinley Wright is still stealing the show. So love what you brought up. This bench unit is strong and it's great to have when you need them to go in there, when you have situations where Evan Baddy gets four personal foul, stuff like that. But even for right now, you know, th th this team is just, rearing to go and it should be a fun fun run come tournament time yep and to touch on that Keyshawn thing you know what i said when that was brought up was basically you know 
I'm I'm kind of disappointed in what I've seen from him this season. I, I did expect more. I think a lot of people feel the same way. Um, at the same time, you know, if some shots just fall, then we're all talking a bit differently. Um, the thing is, he left high school a year early. He was going to transfer somewhere where he could get another year of like high school in Canada where he could also focus on playing basketball. Um, but then decided, well, if I'm going to Colorado anyway, I might as well just take this year as a redshirt year, graduate early and head over. And that's what last year was. He was supposed to still be in high school. And now he's still basically the same age as all of the true freshmen. There's a chance that he's a bust, but we wouldn't know that for even if a, a year from now you want to tell me he was a bust, I would say, what were you saying about Eli Parquet at that point in his career? And what are we saying about Eli Parquet now? It's it's just too soon for that. What we do know is that he isn't sharp yet. And, and he isn't what Colorado needs him to be yet. Um, there's there's still plenty of time for that to happen before next season, uh, ideally. And, and even if it happens before the season after that, that's still not the end of the world. That's a, a, a point guard at 19, at 20 saying, okay, now I'm ready to take over and lead a Pac-12 basketball team can't be disappointed in that. And so even though Keyshawn hasn't been maybe what he was made out to be before the season, there's still so much time. And and who knows, even in the Pac-12 tournament, that could be when all of a sudden the switch just flips and he's good to go. Um, so I'm not worried about Keyshawn at all. Although I will say, you know, whatever the percentage is, and I can pull that up real quick, um, 33% from the field. 27% from three, um, 1.6 assists, 0.6 turnovers per game. I expected more. And I think a lot of people did, but we're here now and it's not the worst place to be. Yeah. I, I think I have a decent comparison actually. You know, I, I think this is the, this is the Brendan Lewis effect, if you will. So this year, football fun season, Sam Neuer, you know, he's an experienced guy. He's a senior leading the team. And all the while, you know, you've got this young kid in the back that you're just kind of waiting and you want to see. And, and and then, you know, in, in the bowl game, Brendan Lewis comes in there and flashes, looks fantastic. And you're like, oh, okay, so it is possible to have a senior, per, you know, a senior guard that can lead the team and then still have a young guy ready to go in the background. And, you know, whether it was as a result of media, you know, from Tad Boy on the coaching staff, there were a lot of people hyping him up. Um, he has not hit on any of those expectations yet, but absolutely still not a bust. And and just to, to kind of touch on, you know, who he's supposed to take over for McKinley Wright tonight, 15 points on just four 14 from the field. And yet, I mean, McKinley Wright shot the ball so poorly from a percentage standpoint, and yet this was still one of his best games, 14 assists. And that is the big number that I want to circle. If I had a big whiteboard in a classroom, 20 high, right? Uh, yes, that's a new career high for him, and that is 20 team assists on 27 made baskets. That is just an epitome of ball movement, unselfishness, fantastic spacing to be able to find guys. I mean, you see that, and you're really not surprised that Colorado won by 18 points because it just shows a combination of all those things, unselfishness, and just true great basketball, and it all stems from their senior leader, McKinley Wright. I totally agree. Um, we're going to uh, take a quick break. 
Um, while we do that, make sure that if you're watching on YouTube, that you go and like this video, that you subscribe, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and also, if you're not watching on YouTube, get over to YouTube because it's just better. Um, wherever you're watching, if you have any questions, feel free to leave those in the chat and we'll get to those later on. Um, but before we get back to some buffs talk, I want to tell you guys about Breckenridge Brewery uh, because there's something awesome happening over there. And I want to remind you guys that Breckenridge Brewery is the official beer of DMVR. So Breckenridge just introduced their seltzer line um, and it comes in a 15 pack. Uh, they've got uh, apple, pear, cherry, peach, berry, and honeydew. Uh, so many awesome flavors. And I haven't had any of them yet. But the reason why is that when we got a whole bunch of them, there was like a Nuggets game that night or something. And they all got drank before... I came into the bar. So that kind of sucked, but I'm really excited to try them because everybody who actually got to said that they were really good. Ben, you didn't get one of those, did you? Oh, I had a few, actually. Did you? Were they good? Yes, they are fantastic. Um, I, I I couldn't find them when I went to go shopping for them like that day, obviously, because we yeah. got them a little early, you know, just some of the perks. Um, but yeah, fantastic. If you see them in your local grocery store, definitely grab them. They are, they, they are as advertised. Well, that's good to hear. Uh, if you guys want to pick them up, you can use the beer locator on the Breckenridge Brewery website. It'll tell you all of the places that you can go get those or anything else that Breckenridge Brewery makes. Um, it's it's seriously good stuff, so make sure that you check it out. Because remember, supporting our partners is supporting us. Also, I uh, want to give a shout out to our friends over at Green Mountain Dental. Uh, they do great work. They're huge Colorado sports fans. Uh, they're located just 15 minutes away from downtown Denver and Lakewood. Um, and again, they're, they're family owned and just big parts of the community. They're Colorado sports fans. Uh, feels good giving them money right now. And also right now, they are looking for some help. Do you or anyone you know need a job? Because Green Mountain Dental Group is looking for an experienced office manager or bookkeeper or slash bookkeeper. I think that means both. Um, this is a salaried position with great benefits. Uh, the office manager's role is to organize and coordinate administrative duties and office procedures. This job requires 10 years of office manager experience and other duties include preparing payroll, monthly financials, experience with a variety of office software, ordering dental supplies, handling marketing and advertising, supervising staff, etc. This team is an incredible group of people to work with. So call them today if you or anyone you know is interested at 303-988-0711 or head to their website, greenmountaindentalgroup.com for further information. Okay. Um, ooh. Let's see. Total or terrible non-relevant comparison, Ben. Neuer is no kin. Neuer was an anomaly this year. Hashtag analogy. Well, I'm glad I you brought love... this up. I, I wasn't going to bring it up, um, but I, I'm glad you mentioned it. Mm -hmm. To clarify, I never said that Sam Neuer was McKinley Wright. I, with the analogy, the comparison I was going for is fans seeing someone who should be good next year and you get that taste of it this year. So Brendan Lewis is supposed to be very good. You know, everybody's excited for it. And we got that taste this season. Keyshawn Bartholomew is a guy who is supposed to take over and be very good. We haven't gotten that taste this year. You're right. McKinley Wright is not Sam Neuer. They are different. Sam Neuer is a quarterback and he's not an anomaly, but we don't have time to dive into all that. 
anyway. uh, we just did. And we're going to end it by saying that uh, D Nick, the real big made a very good point, And Ben has still not made a good analogy. No. Uh, that is the official decision. Um, okay. Jumping back into some of this stuff. Uh, what did you think of the minutes that the buffs got from Evan Batty tonight? Because he's kind of been up and down throughout the last, I don't know, honestly, all season because he did kind of start slow. Uh, but I'm curious uh, what your take is because in the box score, again, not all that exciting one of four, but with six rebounds, he had some foul trouble, two points. Your evaluation. I mean, I think Evan Batty did a great job tonight of just being in Evan Mobley's head. And just, you know, and it happened early on too. Both Mobley brothers picked up some quick fouls and Evan Batty, his size, his presence on the post is intimidating on its own. Um, so he's not a guy that necessarily has to be scoring 15, 20 points for you to have to pay attention to him. And so I think that just him being on the court allows, or, you know, not allows, quite frankly, forces teams to have to pay extra attention to that block and, you know, that can allow some extra shooters to open up because you have to be watching him on the rolls and, and watching him during cuts. With that being said, though, you can't have one of your best players only play 20 minutes in a game like this. It just can't happen. So while I think he did things well tonight, and I, I do think he did a decent job at getting kind of in the, you know, in the other team's head and again, just being there you are going to need exponentially more from him if you want to continue to break ground on what this team could be. And again, it is th this is such a great win that we're not going to talk you know, about what could have gone better. But the point is, is you get Evan Batty in there actually playing 30 minutes and actually being able to you know, enforce his will a little bit more on the offensive end, I, it, it just does wonders for this team. We've seen how well this team can score when they're working the ball inside out. And once they can really achieve that, that's when you honestly can start getting into the 88, 90 point range. But with that being said, against USC's front court, I think you'll take what you can get. And that's kind of what I was thinking too, because it, it is easy to look at the numbers and just say, huh, not good. But if you do that, then you're kind of ignoring all the context. And the context was what the buffs needed was for these big guys to just not get run over by the USC bigs. And they didn't. They actually played very well, better than the USC bigs, I would say. And that's why the win was as big as it was. And, and because Evan was so... He, he is a physical presence. You know, I don't think he was deserving of the four fouls he got, but maybe that's a conversation for a different time. Um, I do think, though, that when you run into some of these one and done types who are just all length and athleticism. They're seven feet tall. I mean, specifically guys just like Evan Mobley, sometimes the weakness is that they don't have the touch around the rim, but it just doesn't matter because they can get to the rim at will. The difference is that Evan Batty can provide a different sort of resistance than I think that you see from most bigs in college basketball. And it worked again tonight and and it worked against usc earlier this season and it's worked against oscar da silva and it's worked against just about everybody and and i really just think that this team's defense fits together so well that it's tough to go into any game expecting them to to give up a whole lot of points yeah i i love what you brought up 
Evan Batty is so great to combat that one and done because, you know, you, you talk about the length and the finishing at the rim. Um, I'll also touch on too. They just don't have the, the, I was going to say girth, that cannot possibly be the right word for it, but you know, Evan just said Mo- it anyway. <laughs> uh, well, I had to, once it was in my head, you know, Evan Mobley, he's a seven footer, but he does not stack up to how Evan Batty, not just his weight, but his center of gravity and his strength and his aggression. So when you combine all those different things, you really do get a nice kind of cancellation factor because yeah, Mobley has the size and he's got the, the athleticism, but Batty's got the experience, he's got the intelligence, and he's got kind of the college emotion. You know, I, I don't I, I don't know what the word would be for it, but he cares more about winning with this program than I think Evan Mobley would with the Trojans because that guy knows I'm going to school for a year. I'm going to go be a lottery pick, a top three pick, and, you know, I'm going to go cash my checks. And that's perfectly fine. But when you get in a, in a heated, close game like this, I'm going to put my money on the guy who's got more will and more passion every single time. Hmm. I think that, I think that, that makes sense. Um, here's a quick question. Do you think that because Colorado has been able to shut down uh, USC a couple of times now, do, do you read that as Colorado is a good team defending against length, that that is kind of a strength or, or does there, these just kind of outliers? Cause I feel like when you look at the buffs, you don't necessarily think this is a good matchup for them. It, it's it's interesting because length-wise, no. They you're you're I mean, they just don't have that kind of length. But it's about, I think, the combined experience of that front court. Um, when you've got Horn and Batty and Walton, and then, you know, quite frankly, even Deshaun Schwartz, who's got enough length where he can cover in between kind of the three and the four, you feel great about just your experience. And to that point, yes, I think this team defends good front court players better than a lot of schools. So, you know, what I still, does that mean I'd feel comfortable with them going up against Luca Garza in Iowa in the first round? Obviously not. But I think that that gives them an advantage in particular, if they have to face USC again. And that's why USC right now is the better basketball team than U- UCLA, but you feel much better against playing the Trojans than you do the Bruins because of how they match up. And, you know, that gets into a little bit about previewing, you know, and, and looking ahead to what, what's going to come on Saturday. And it's a big time game, but I am still going to temper expectations because an 18 point win against USC could easily translate to a 10 point loss at UCLA. And I truthfully would not be surprised. Huh? Um, just kind of build off that, you know, if you do like the buffs defense against length, like what would you say the Achilles heel is at this point? Because at this point, I don't have a good answer to that question. Like, I don't know, like, like maybe when you read up on a team, I don't want to see zone defense just because that scares me a little bit based on the history, even though they have gotten better recently, but really there aren't many things that I could see. Like it's not the athleticism. It's not the shooting that, that really jump out to me as something I don't think the buffs could handle. It's, it's really kind of a slash, a, 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 kind of like a, a mid range slasher, maybe a shooting guard or a small forward, kind of somebody who doesn't quite fit a normal role in that sense. But somebody who is is quick off the ball 
and has shooting skills on the outside. You know, James Akinjo tore him up. Akinjo's more of a traditional point guard, but he's very uh, twitchy is the word that they describe point guards with like that. And then you also look at guys like Matt Bradley. He's a guy who kind of plays one for them. He's like a Nikola Jokic for Cal where he, his body type doesn't fit the position, yet he he runs the offense. He is more of a, a two, three size. He's got good, good athleticism, but also has developed a three-point shot. And then you look at Alfonso Plummer. He's a guy that fits more traditionally as a shooting guard, and he is twitchy. He can get free. He, he's very good at moving off ball, and then he's a lights-out shooter. So the Achilles heel of this defense is truthfully just teams that have one guy that can take over, but that guy has to be between a one and a three because Evan Mobley is a guy that takes over games. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter. Oscar da Silva doesn't matter. Those teams, Colorado has no problems against. But you look at Oregon with Chris Duarte, and again, Cal with Matt Bradley, and Utah with Alfonso Plummer, and Arizona with James Akinjo. Those are the players that are just a thorn in Colorado's side. And it, it's it's definitely something to watch because even though they've got great defenders in the backcourt with McKinley Wright and Eli Parquet and Deshaun Schwartz, those guys still just don't have the same ability that Colorado's frontcourt does, and that's where they're going to run into trouble. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Um, let's take a quick break, uh, and then we'll get into the questions. I see that we have a couple already. Again, if you guys have any, we're about to get into those, so make sure you throw them in the chat now. Uh, hit the like button, subscribe button, and we'll be back with some more Buffs talk in a second after we get to welcome back DNVR's newest partner, Manscaped. I've been waiting for this for so long and I am so happy to have him back. I actually haven't read the Manscaped read, so let's just uh, see what they have going for us. Um, support for DMVR is brought to you by Manscaped, who's the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide, and we have an exclusive offer for DNVR listeners, 20% off plus free shipping with the code DNVR20 at manscaped.com. Um, ben, you never got any of the Manscaped stuff, did you? No, unfortunately I didn't. Now, I, I will say... You know, my old man uses it on his old man, um, and he, he's an avid Manscaped wow. fan. Look at that. <laughs> I'm busting around. Yep. Nope. That's what we went nuggets. over to you for. That, <laughs> yeah. That's all we needed. That was the end of the ad. I got what I came oh, that's for. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm happy. I'm yeah, satisfied. <laughs> um, again, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code DMVR20 at manscaped.com. Um, unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. All uh, right. They, they will always leave you satisfied and smiling. So yeah, I, I bet. Okay. Um, we have some questions. Uh, let's just get into those again. If you have any, we're, we'll be here as long as you can keep asking them. Um, we can start with silver buff. Did Ryan have too many winskis to join? That's a good question. And I don't think either Ben or I can answer that specifically. And so we're left to just answer it based on what we feel. Well, what does no, Ben Palm say? He was ben? he was at the bar tonight for the Nuggets game, so he was he was here. Uh, he was wow. not drinking a whiskey when I last left him. Um, <laughs> but we were watching the end of the Nuggets game, and he looks at me. He's like, "I don't know how I could jump on a post game show because 
obviously the Nuggets guys are in the studio right now, and he was at the bar. So yeah, uh, have too many Winskis to join. Maybe not at first, uh, <laughs> but who knows where we're at at this point. Yeah, I have a feeling there are going to be plenty of Winskis. Did the Nuggets win? I haven't seen. Nope. Lost by oh. two. Yes. And somehow a Washington Wizards fan found themselves in the DNVR bar during a Denver Nuggets game. I've never seen a Washington Wizards fan before. <laughs> um, he, he was joking. He was the only one. I don't think he was joking, though. <laughs> um, Ryan Corrick, have you ever seen softer officials? Oh, you know, I thought about jumping into this just by starting it out saying, thank goodness that one of these fine officials decided to step up and defend the sport of basketball by not allowing Eli Barquet to hang on that rim. I mean, there, there are children watching all of this and Eli wants to jump up there, grab the rim with two hands and then just stay there. That's unacceptable. What will he teach our children? I don't know. Like, it's just the dumbest stuff. It's just every single game. It feels like there's more dumb things happening. There was that. There was whatever, I guess, Kin said to get himself a technical. Honestly, there isn't much that he could have said that wouldn't have been deserved by the referee. Uh, the, there were plenty of other missed calls. There were some, you know, Evan Batty has a specific laugh toward bad calls. And we saw a lot of that laugh tonight. <laughs> I thought it was just awful to watch. It was just really awful to watch. And the good news is Colorado was up. I mean, they won by 18. So it's not like you really felt it was going to impact the outcome of the game in any way. But how how does this happen every game? How? I mean, I think we talked about it a bit in the offseason of, of everything when we talked about that one report that came out talking about the Big 12s officiating in football and how they had like a feeder league where they would train referees. And at this point, I just think you just have to have blind faith that whoever they hire to replace Larry Scott is going to fix the officiating because you're right. It's gotten to the point now where damn near every night we're talking about something different. Now, I don't think anything still will surpass that Cal game. That missed goaltending still haunts me. I wake up and, yeah. and think about it in a in a hot sweat. So I, I still think that might be one of the worst college basketball games I've ever seen ref. Um, whether I was watching, playing, literally anything. Um, but with that being said, you know, just hope that the new commissioner really is able to turn it around. Yeah, I remember. So it, I think it was my third day with this job. I was in L.A., and Larry Scott was talking at Pac-12 Media Day. And one of the things he said, again, I, I've never covered the Pac-12. I had no like special interest in the Pac-12. I didn't follow the Pac-12. And so this is kind of me jumping in. Like I, I know the schools. I don't know too many more of the details than that. I don't, I, I'm learning who Larry Scott is. And what happens is, there's one question about um, the officials because, again, it seems like we're always talking about the officials because of the officials and what they do. But Larry said, you know, we hired a, a firm, an outside firm, and said, review our officials and tell us what needs to change, how do they compare with other conferences and all that kind of stuff. And he said that the outside firm said that the PAC 12 officials are in line with the rest of the major conferences. And that was the, the general takeaway. And I think it was just football. I don't think it was football and basketball, but I, 
again, I don't know the reputation the Pac-12 has, but then like watching the football season, I remember thinking like, huh, must be an isolated incident. Like Mary <laughs> Scott said that things are fine. So just a weird thing to happen. Wow, these these fans sure seem to think that this is going to keep happening. And then just going through that first football season, kind of locked in, just thinking like, huh, that is kind of crazy. And it's definitely, I feel like a, a thing that we can all see, right? It's this, it's kind of tough to to measure bad officiating. Uh, and I guess that's what the consulting firm found too. But I just, I don't know. I'm I'm kind, I'm kind of baffled. Yeah, and I think some of this honestly goes back to the NCAA as a whole. Uh, the, the hanging on the rim thing after a dunk, I get it. I understand a little bit about what they're going for. The problem is it is so subjective from what angle you're at. Mm -hmm. One of the replays showed Eli Parquet clearly was swinging to avoid hitting Jariah Horn. So if you see it from a correct angle, you could well, – you know what? That's the other thing too. There is no correct angle. If you see it from one angle, it looks like he's trying to avoid his teammate. If you look at it from the other, it looks like he's showing off. And the you know, So it's just – it's so subjective. It, mm -hmm. it, to me, it, it's like the NFL a couple years ago. What is a football move? Nobody still knows what a football move is. You know, back when it was a debate about what is a catch. So it's stuff like that where I think the NCAA needs to step in and standardize some stuff. But, I mean, we could have an entire article series on the DNVR.com outlining all this crap of, of Pac-12 officials. Seriously. But it is really frustrating and almost worth doing exactly that to show how frustrating it is. Oh, we can move along, though, uh, to a question from D Nick, the real big, who, uh, again, his first comment was fire. If we want to flame Ben for bad analogies, we can sit here all day. Um, but he asked, can you guys talk about this team's depth compared to previous seasons and maybe how it could lead to a deeper postseason run? Um, I, I definitely think that. This team is obviously deeper. I think that when you look at what the Buffs were doing last year, I mean, I'm trying to remember who's coming off the bench. So see, see where we're starting. Bay was starting. Batty was starting. See where see where we're coming off the bench. bench. Yeah, okay, that's what it was. I was trying to figure it out. He was just so good. He was knocking down all the threes. It seems like he had to be starting. Love me some so, Lucas Seward. <laughs> yeah. At the same time, though. Dry horns an upgrade. Oh, absolutely. Just the way Dry has been playing, like, I'm. What is the man shooting from three? A lot. He, a lot. I, he's he's shooting better than Lucas Seward was, but at yeah. the same time, Dry is a better rebounder. He's a better distributor. He's a better ball handler. Absolutely, he's an upgrade. And you also too, you know, Dalen Koontz. He's a guy that I think is interesting when you talk about the. You know, Keyshawn Bartholomew narrative and people who want to write him off. And not to get back on that topic, but just to say you could either turn out like Eli Parquet or Dalen Koontz, guys who, you know, they flash a little bit, but some guys just need time and they figure it out. Other guys need to go up to the UNC Golden Bears, or is it even Golden Bears? I'm not sure. Uh, UNC, no. They're just the Bears. Bears, yeah. Okay. Well, either which way. <laughs> yeah. That, and I think, when you ask a question like that, it makes it hard to <laughs> remember. And also, you know, Maddox Daniels this year, he's just a different player as far as his consistency and his ability, not just as an offensive player, but also as a rounded basketball player on defense. Yep. It's it's a great bench squad. And how does that impact them during the tournament run? I mean, there's just more guys who can get hot for you. And I think specifically for Colorado, it's the shooting that you get excited about, you know, and that obviously starts with Jariah, 
but but you have Maddox as well, who definitely fits into that category. Um, you have Jabari Walker, mm. who's shooting 50% from three on the season. He's 15 of 30. And you have Tristan De Silva, who's three of 13 from three. But we've seen this stroke. We know it can go in. I think that that is what gets so exciting to me is you don't necessarily just need to stick to your rotation. I think that there are plenty of scenarios that could come into play in either tournament where you say, you know what? Somebody's not feeling it tonight. Dallas isn't feeling it tonight. Deshaun isn't feeling it. Eli isn't feeling it. But guess what? Maddox Daniels is three of four from three and he's playing lockdown defense. Let's throw him in there to close out the game. Or same thing with Jariah. I do think that there's just so many more possibilities different ways to win games now that definitely were not there last year. Yep. And I mean, this team's depth, how is it going to lead to a, you know, the deeper postseason run? It's because this is just, it's a better team. And I, I want to bring up Pat Rooney tweeting out, uh, you know, for those of you who don't know, Pat Rooney covers the CU bus for buffzone.com daily camera, tweeting out 12 wins now in the PAC 12, the most they've had since joining the conference and they've done it in 18 games. So they did not need the additional two conference games just yet. They've reached that mark. Also, the moment everybody's been waiting for, Silver Buff, if you're still watching, I know you're going to love this one, also have secured top four spot in the Pac-12 tournament. So this is, this is you know, why, why is this team going to have a deeper run? It's just all things are clicking. You know, you could talk about all these guys on the bench. I will say... The one thing they're missing that they've been missing what feels like the entire time McKinley Wright's been here is a true point guard off the bench. Somebody mm-hmm. who can actually come in and, and be that distributor. But where this team is at right now, they don't need it. Knock on wood, you know, that McKinley Wright stays healthy. And if he does, then you're totally fine having, you know, Keyshawn Bartholomew come in for six minutes because that's okay. You're all right mm-hmm. if Key, if, uh, if Key just has to play that amount of time. So for the time being right now, this team's depth is, it's it's scary good. It honestly does rank up there with, with some of the best rosters in the entire country. Um, as someone who's been very dialed into the national college basketball scene this year, Colorado is still flying under the radar somehow. And yes, they've had some bad losses, but... This is a team that people should be scared to face in March. Yeah. I mean, this is the type of team that should have so much hype. I mean, they, they can knock down threes, and that is one of the big things you look for in... I, I mean, they would be a Cinderella if they made a run. Uh, and, and, you know, so they can knock down the threes. You have a point guard who's very experienced, who knows what he's doing, who's not going to make mistakes. You have a very good defense you have all these pieces and then on top of that you've beaten a whole bunch of good basketball teams you know you you've beaten USC twice you split your games against uh Oregon you've beaten Stanford twice you lost your first against UCLA but now you have them in your gym on Saturday after they played a pretty close game against Utah and you just blew out the best team in the conference if you split that one too, and all of a sudden you're two and zero with number one, you're one and one with number two, one and one with number three, two and zero with number five, while you're sitting there at number four, how can you not say that Colorado is one of the best teams in the Pac-12? Uh, and if they are, then they have all the potential to go and win the Pac-12 tournament or to to make a run at the national tournament as well. I 
I think that this team should be getting so much more attention because they are the exact mold of team that you would want to put your faith in in March. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I still believe that finishing as the four seed is the best bet just because of who you probably play. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and that also I think too is I don't want to now sit here and say, you know, people should expect a regular season conference championship because, yeah, dear God, Henry, if, if you didn't have a chance to check it out, Henry wrote a great article on the DNVR.com that outlined all the possibilities. Uh, yeah. You know, the article was great. The math to get there sounded painstaking. So, you know, it, it's yep. still a long shot. I don't know how feasible it is. I don't know what the percentage chance is. So just knowing that, you know what, they still could be four and still win this entire tournament. I think that's what you should hang your hat on as bus fans, just because, you know, some things did not go well for you in the middle of this season, whether it be Washington, Utah, games like that, but you're still in a great position. And, you know, you're trending up at the right time. And that might be the most important part, honestly, is finishing, let's say they win out and let's say they finish 20 and seven. Well, 20 and seven looks a lot different when you're riding a four game win streak than when you're riding a four game losing streak. I mean, we saw what that looked like last year. Colorado was still going to be a seven seed in last year's tournament. No matter how bad they finished the season, their record was that impressive. Their resume was that impressive. But it's all the difference when you turn it on in late February, early March versus the opposite. So, you know, right now, no, no need to call the Jets. This team has shown they can do it. Uh, they're taking on, again, a good UCLA Bruins team. Mick Cronin has had this Colorado team's number for the short span that he's been in California. But all that just stacks up to a, another great shaping uh, a game. Should be prime time in the Pac-12 conference. Yep. And um, I just pulled or, or finished updating all of the scenarios Things got tougher for Colorado today. They didn't really break the buffs way. Um, good thing we track all this because <laughs> I can now say that for Colorado to win the Pac-12 title, they need to beat UCLA, beat Arizona State. Uh, USC needs to lose to Utah and lose to Stanford and then beat UCLA. And then you need UCLA to lose to Oregon and then on top of that, you, you need Oregon to go two and two against Cal, Arizona, UCLA, and Oregon State. So I guess that UCLA would have to be a loss. Or no, a win. And then one and two against the other three. So that's what you're looking at. <laughs> it's, it's not looking good. But uh, there is still plenty of reason to be happy. I mean, you brought up all the numbers about the wins, finishing top fours on the table for the first time. Getting a bye is locked up. It's a good time to be a Buffs fan. Um, Let's see. We got asked a question about the scenarios. We did that. Oh, Tad's wiki doesn't have anything beyond 2018. You guys on this? Nope. That is, I do enough writing. I don't need to be doing Wikipedia. <laughs> is that um, actually, is, is this actually something where we could say it's below our pay grade? <laughs> wow. I mean, I mean, I don't think people get paid for that. So yeah, now that you get paid. <laughs> yeah. you, you can say that <laughs> well i lost the former intern v former intern challenge today with the chicken nugget challenge so maybe maybe that bumps me down a tier but you also lost the former intern versus the denver nuggets challenge yeah that, <laughs> uh, that should say something too but um uh that's gonna do it for today we'll be back on saturday after the bus play ucla it's gonna be a big game 
and it's looking like it's going to be to stay alive for the Pac-12 race, <laughs> which we can still cling to hopes of. And uh, we'll be doing that in the next couple of days. I'm sure you guys will be too, and we will see you then.